0: There was a time where I wasn't humble, you know, and there's a time that I was very condescending and very arrogant and very prideful. And uh, today I still wrestle with that. You know, it's, I've been able to do a lot of things, go a lot of places and oftentimes, you know, I wanna share things and I catch my flesh rising up and I have to suppress it and I have to say, Hey, that's not what this is about. So it's a constant battle. It's not like I've defeated it and it's forever gone. It's something that daily I have to ask the Lord to give me the strength so that I can deal with that, so I can suppress that, and so I can let others' story be their story, so I can encourage them, so I can help them. And it's not about me. It is about others, right? And so it's a a daily having to give it over to the
1: Lord in order to do that. Welcome to Authentic Conversations. I'm your host, Ryan James Miller, and I believe the way to freedom, fulfillment, and success ultimately comes by living as the most authentic version of yourself. If you're ready to live the life you've dreamed of, you're in the right place. All right, what up everybody? Welcome to another episode of the podcast. This one is so special to me for quite a few different reasons, which we're just gonna get into as we unpack this discussion. But my guest today is Aaron Walker. Uh, Aaron uh, is a lot of things to a lot of people. But to me, he is the founder of the Iron Sharpens Iron Mastermind. I have talked so often about this mastermind in all of the ways that it has impacted my life, my business, spiritually, personally, professionally, relationally, so many things. I've had members of the mastermind come on the podcast, but Aaron is the brainchild behind the whole thing. And I know he would deflect that onto a bunch of other people that have probably supported him in that, but regardless, he is the man at the top of it. And so I'm excited to be able to dig into his experiences with manhood and how he sees community, uh, uh, the community of men that he has established and that he has fostered and the ones that he is in. Uh, But for now, I just want to welcome you, Aaron, to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking
0: some time. Hey, Ryan. Thanks for having me on, buddy. I've been so looking forward to this and finally getting a chance to be your guest. Man, what an honor it is. Thank you.
1: I appreciate it. All right. So we are going to get right in. You get the same, a version of the same question that I ask to everybody. So, Aaron, if someone was to say to you, what is your definition of manhood and or masculinity How would you answer that question? Yeah,
0: immediately what comes to my mind is servant leader. You know, a lot of people think of it as a doormat, (laughs) but I don't think (laughs) of it as that at all. I'm like, no, man, uh, a man that really serves well is the definition of masculinity to me. Hmm.
1: Okay, Uh, right out of the gate. And I love that you said, you know, servant leader, doormat, and you kind of just use those in the same sentence in saying it's not that. Uh, it's very interesting because you um, have accomplished a lot in your own life. Uh, you have been very successful professionally. You have been successful personally as a husband and a father. Um, and so you you carry uh, a lot of weight in that regard. And yet you come across, once people get to know you, as I've gotten to know you, as an extremely humble human being who does serve so well. And so how have you been able to maintain or manage that tension between like, I am a strong leader. I lead in my home. I lead in my community. I lead in my business. I have the chops to back it up. But at the same time, I want to serve and I want to be kind and I want to be humble because I think those things are polar opposites in a lot of people's minds.
0: Yeah, well, we got to go way back, Ryan. And to be honest with you, when I was in my 30s, early 40s, you probably wouldn't have had me on as your guest because (laughs) I could be condescending, uh, arrogant, prideful, egotistical, and I've had some real challenges, you know, throughout my career. And uh, we can dive into one of them if you want to. There's many, (laughs) too many (laughs) for an hour episode to talk about. But there's one or two things that really happened in my life. And I'll digress just for a moment and give you a little context for the listeners that don't know who I am. I live in Nashville, Tennessee. I've been fortunate to be married to Robin now 42 years. Mm -hmm. You know, we were childhood sweethearts and right out of high school, two weeks out of high school, we get married. And uh, we were broker than a convict. I mean, we didn't have (laughs) any money. We were both raised, you know, uh, right here in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, come from very poor families. People of high character, a lot of honesty and integrity on both sides, but poor, right? My dad just wasn't a good business person. And we wanted better. And so we really worked hard. Uh, We were able to have a little success early on. You know, we started our first business at 18 years old. Uh, sold out at 27 years old to a fortune 500 Uh, that allowed me then to go on and do some pretty cool things. But when I was 40 years old, August 1st, 2001, I was headed to the office and uh, I don't want to start us off on a down note, but I ran over and killed a pedestrian on my way to the office and uh, it had a profound impact on my life. And, um, up until that point, I was pretty like, hey, I got it going on. I read my own press releases. You know, poor kid from Nashville, Tennessee, makes enough money to retire at 27, and nobody cares. And that really dawned on me at the end of that accident. And what I determined was is that I'd had a lot of success, but no significance. And it really plagued me for a long time. Like the stress really got to me as a result of that. Uh, sold the business. I retired for the second time. Uh, And I took five years off. I really kind of dove deep. And I said, really, what's important? Like, this is life and things are good. But nobody cared about my financial success except for my family. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, I got all these friends. I've got peers and colleagues and team members and other family members. And nobody couldn't care less about my big house and a place on the beach and fancy cars. And I'm like, man, if I had been killed that day, that's what my legacy would have been. I would have been remembered from not having anything to having a few bucks. And I said, that's not what I want my legacy to be. I want my legacy to be that Ryan Miller's life is better as a result of having interacted with me. And Ryan Miller couldn't care less that I've got a little money and a fancy car in a nice house. Like, how is my life going to impact this guy? How can I come around him and be that servant leader? Like, what connections can I give him? Like, what can I do to encourage him? How can I show him compassion and empathy and then loan him my courage when he doesn't have any? How can I hold his arms up when he needs me to hold his arms up when he's tired? Like, how can I have that camaraderie? How can I lock arms with him, get in the ditch and really take him to the next level? Now, if something happens to me, Ryan's going to say, man, Big A was a good dude. That guy was my friend. He was my peer. He was my colleague. He got in the ditch with me. He cared about me. He checked on me. Like, that's what I wanted to be remembered for. And I found out pretty quickly that arrogance, being condescending, reading your own press clippings is not going to get you that. The only thing that's going to get you that is how you make others feel. And if you're interested in their well-being. And so Mm -hmm. I think out of that comes a sense of humility.
1: Wow. Um, I've heard that before. Every time I hear it, it's just so mind blowing to me and so many different things. So I've been, Interesting question to ask you. So reaching back into your life previous to that accident, were you walking with the Lord? You know,
0: I knew the Lord. I was saved, and I knew without a question that heaven was my eternity, but I didn't have a daily walk. Mm -hmm. And there's a much difference uh, in knowing God and being walking in tandem with God. And I think as a result of that, uh, it didn't change my salvation experience. What it changed was my behavior. And what it changed was my desire to have a daily walk and a daily relationship, a total dependence of faith in the creator like I'd never experienced before. Someone that I knew loved me unconditionally. Someone that I knew would never forsake me, never leave me, that would always be there, would never betray me. And what I soon discovered as a result of this accident was that he is the one that I could always depend on. And so I think it's unfortunate, quite honestly, that we have to go through travesties and trials and tribulations in order for that realization. Mike McCallowitz is a friend of mine, and he called me recently and he interviewed me for a book that he's doing. In this book points to the fact that most people have to go through some type of travesty to really wake up and see what life is all about. See, what I want to plead for in the people listening to this interview today is make good choices uh, in spite of the circumstances that you're currently in. Don't allow some travesty to happen for you to make the best choice because it doesn't have to, right? A lot of people, you know, they have a heart attack, then they lose 50 pounds mm-hmm. or they get a divorce and then they go out and clean themselves up, straighten themselves up. And really, it's like, why didn't you do that before? <laughs> like, you know, why didn't we lose 50 pounds before the, you know, the heart attack? And it's like, I think sometimes, Ryan, we're just kind of thick headed and we think it's not gonna happen to me. Yeah. And see, I never saw that coming. And even in my book, View From the Top, I think it's chapter six. I call it blindsided. Mm. See, things were amazing for me. I was working three days a week. We had a place on the beach, had a beautiful home in Nashville, fancy cars, you know, the big gate at the end of the driveway, all those things. And I don't say that to impress anybody. I'm saying that I had the world by the tail. Mm -hmm. Like it was good. Things were good. Right. And then boom, everything changed in a nanosecond. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, I never saw that coming. You see, that happens to us a lot. And it's because I wasn't, you know, fully aware of something could happen in a nanosecond, right? I was yeah. just doing my thing and then boom, out of nowhere it came. So, yeah, and that's a long way to answer your question. But the truth of the matter is, there was a time where I wasn't humble, you know, and there's mm-hmm. a time that I was very condescending and very arrogant and very prideful. And uh, today, I still wrestle with that. You know, it's, I've been able to do a lot of things, go a lot of places. And oftentimes, you know, I want to share things and I catch my flesh rising up and I have to suppress it. And I have to say, Hey, that's not what this is about. So it's a constant battle. It's not like I've defeated it and it's forever gone. It's something that daily I have to ask the Lord to give me the strength so that I can deal with that. So I can suppress that. And so I can let others, story be their story. So I can encourage them. So I can help them. And it's not about me. It is about others. Right. And so it's a, it's a daily having to give it over to the Lord in order to do
1: that. Yeah. So there's, there's a large number of people, even a greater number of people in the Christian community that would say something to the effect of, see, you were pursuing the wrong things and therefore your pursuit of the wrong things which is what led you down that path I beg to differ in a lot of ways, I used to believe that myself. There was a, I went from success to financial ruin and I'm like, see, it was my pursuit of those things. I'd never want to pursue them again. I want to live in poverty. I literally like, believe that my wife is like, please don't do that. So for you, because I, I just, I know that can't be the case for you knowing what I know about you, but, but how do you, how do you see that? And and how do you give advice to guys that are out there right now that want to, to provide well for their family. They sure. want to go on vacations. Maybe they want to fly private jets. Sure. They want to sure. live in a massive awesome. 60 acre farm. Yeah. Like, cool. How, how do we do that? How do you do that? And still keep in mind yeah. the, this newfound humility and desire okay. to, to serve. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, because you've got humility doesn't mean you live in a tent under the bridge. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, I mean, you know, Solomon did pretty good for himself, you know, and he was used mightily, you know, here's the thing. We're going to go down a path here. It's going to be fun for a second. I've heard people make that comment, you know, money's not important. I want to go, you're a liar. Let's take it away. From <laughs> you. Yeah, important you. I hate it when people with money go, money's not important. I want to be like, dude, I love to have a nice house, and I do. I've got a very nice place. i got a really nice truck, brand-new Tundra. By the way, if you don't drive a Tundra, you really don't drive a truck. Just think. <laughs> but anyway,
1: so what,
0: what I'm saying, somebody bought a Chevrolet and brought it over here to show it to me. I said, that's not a truck. What is that? But anyway, uh, I had to throw that in there. I'm a 20-year veteran Tundra driver, so I love Tundras. But anyway, So here's the thing, like I've had ministers tell me that money's not important. I said, well, how come I always get those letters and get invited to that special dinner at church when Mm -hmm. it's time to raise money to build that new building? It's important today, isn't it? Let's go. And they don't know what to say. And I'm like, you know what? I can't give if I'm broke. And I think I'm a steward over what God's entrusted to me, right? I think our conduit expands as a result of seeing if you can be trusted to monitor and to steward and to really do the right things with the resources. And that doesn't mean just with your money, that means with your time, that means with your family, that means with your business. Stewardship goes across all planes. You know, it's not just your money, right? And so I think God is the owner of everything I have, and I'm just the steward over it, right? And so it's not about being broke, right? Man, you know, I couldn't do the things I do for people if I was broke. And so, man, get that out of your head. But here's the real secret. You can't make money your God. You can't make the money the only reason you're doing what you're doing. Go out and have fun. I take nice trips. We just went on the Apex by Celebrity, the nicest cruise ship in the world. I loved it. It was expensive. (laughs) I loved it, right? It was great. But I want to tell you something. There's a higher calling on my life, and that's the transformational experience of the men in Iron Sharpens Iron Mastermind. That is my motivator. Do I get Mm -hmm. compensated? Well, sure I do. I should be compensated for what I do. i got 61 years of experience. I should be compensated for what I do. My good friend, Rabbi Daniel Lappin wrote a great book, thou shalt prosper. And in that book, he talks about you are deserving of the compensation of the value that you're exchanging for the monetary investment that you're making. Mm. So there's nothing further from the truth to think that you got to live in a tent under the bridge, right? Just you own the money. Don't
1: let the money own you. Yep. Yep. It's so good. Okay. Uh, Yeah. I, I, alluded to it in the beginning, you brought it up right now, because I think this is going to extract a lot of discussion around what men are dealing with today. So you, you desire to form this men's mastermind, iron sharpens iron. Um, I have the fortune, you've been at this years and years. uh, I have the fortune of joining a year ago, And I end up in this room in Nashville um, back in, I think it was October of last year. And one of the things that struck me above all else, all else, was that regardless of where these guys were at in terms of success in their life, and some of them were just getting started, other them, others of them are running, you know, uh, Hundred million dollar businesses, and and yet there was a sense of humility, transparency, a willingness to serve. And so, how did you begin to inject that into that community? So that men could step into that. I mean, I had a guy, a stranger in the last live event we were at just recently come up to me and within 30 seconds shares with me that he had committed adultery on his wife and literally ruined his, you know, nearly train wrecked his life and is walking back the road to recovery. Like, how how do you begin to create an environment like that?
0: Yeah, I think first of all, the leader of any organization has to lead the way people will only be as vulnerable and transparent with the person leading as they are. Mm. And so I learned this years and years ago because most men live behind a facade, right? There's this veil that we live behind. And we do that because we want other people to think well of us. We want people to think highly of us. Alan Lindsay is my best friend, 45 years. I actually had lunch with him today. And we talk about these kind of things very uh, in depth And Alan called me one day and he said, uh, Hey man, I want to go to lunch with you tomorrow. I said, okay. That was nothing unusual. We go to lunch all the time. So we get there and he said at church Sunday, I heard you tell this guy that uh, you've been all over South America fishing the Amazon. I said, I have, he said, no, you haven't. I said, yes, I have. He said, you've been down there twice. He said, you've covered about 10 miles of a 4,000 mile river And you told that guy you've been all over South America. I said, Alan, I have been down there twice. He said, you know why you told that guy that? You wanted that guy to think you were a big deal. And I I didn't have any rebuttal. I couldn't say anything because what he was saying was true. And I learned that when you say something, it needs to be accurate so that they have confidence and trust in you in the future. Dave Ramsey invited me to join his mastermind group decades ago. Dave and I have been friends since the early 90s. I'm not saying that to boast. Uh, Dave was nobody here in Nashville starting a radio show. And we met and he asked me to be one of his sponsors and I declined. (laughs) Then he gave me a week free and I accepted (laughs) And I went, I spent the next 21 years sponsoring his show and we became very good friends. And he invited me to join his mastermind. And I said, what is a mastermind? (laughs) He started laughing and he said, just come to my office Wednesday morning, seven o'clock. I'll introduce you to the guys that we've invited. So I go. And uh, I leave and I come home and tell Robin, I said, I don't want to go. She said, what do you mean you don't want to go? I said, you know how Dave is. He's going to be all up in my business. He's going to be asking me hard questions. And (laughs) I don't want to answer any of those questions, you know. And he's going to know that me and you argue sometimes. And sometimes our kids are not perfect. And sometimes business is not what it should be. And to be honest with you, like, I don't want to tell him that stuff because he respects me. And I respect him. And I don't want him to know the truth. Mm. And Robin looks at me, she goes, you need to go back. So I go back, and then I go back every week for about two months, and I'm sitting there listening, and then Dan Miller makes a comment about his son, and then Ron Dole makes a comment about Barbie, and then – Ken Abraham says, "Hey, I've got a kid that's doing this," and then Dave Ramsey says, "Hey, I got this employee doing this." And I come home laughing. Robin goes, "What?" I said, "They're more screwed up than I am." <laughs> he said, said, "What?" And I said, "Robin, this is unbelievable. Like they don't have it all together either." Mm. And it taught me, Ryan, a valuable lesson. Like it doesn't matter how many zeros on your bank account. We're all dealing with the same thing, right? We're all men. Some people just have a little more money than others, but the truth of the matter is we're all dealing with virtually the same thing, and it taught me a valuable lesson. Success happens at the intersection of vulnerability and transparency. When you let the veil down and you get to a solid foundation, and we really know who Ryan Miller is, we now have a solid place that we can work from, and I know that you and your wife have a great relationship, but you're not perfect. I know you and your kids do good, but your kids are not perfect. I know that you have situations in your business that are good, but not always good. And we need a safe place that we can go and be the men that God called us to be. And that's to be vulnerable and transparent in a small group. And that's the culture that we built from the beginning. And I tell every person that I interview, this is who I want you to be. I had a guy call me recently, and I could call his name. Everybody here would probably know who he was. He went on to tell me how great he was and how many millions that he had made and all the businesses that he had owned and on and on and on and on and on. And we get to the end of the interview, and uh, he was waiting for me to accept him because, man, he would be a catch for any group, right? And I said, uh, no disrespect, but uh, I'm going to decline this application. And the phone went dead silent. He said, what? And I said, yeah. I said, I don't think you'd be a good fit for our group. He said, well, tell me why. I said, no, you don't really know me that well, and you may be offended by what I would say. And he said, no, really, like, what is it? And I said, you want to know the truth? He said, yeah. I said, you're the most arrogant, condescending applicant that I've ever had to join Iron Sharp and Iron." Wow. And he sat there for a minute, and you know what he said? I've had that problem my whole career. And it allowed me for the next forty-five minutes to kind of break the walls down. I still didn't let him join. He wasn't ready to join, right? <laughs> but the truth is, is that uh, we need to be called to task. Guys, call me to task. I'm not perfect today. I got guys in Iron Serpent Iron that call me to task. I want the environment to be a safe place. And to me, it doesn't matter if you're just starting or if you're doing one of those hundred million dollar businesses. We're all men. We're all equal. And we need to be treated that way.
1: And that's why I've created the culture in our sharpens iron that we have. So good. Okay, so why do men hesitate? So there, there are people out there that have read your book. There are people out there. And by the way, rarely do I do this where I'm highlighting all the accomplishments of my guests, but it's just too directly applicable right now to what we're talking about. But you, you've, you've written the book. Uh, you've been on an absurd number of podcasts. Uh, your story's out there, so people a lot of people have an awareness of who you are. A lot of people have an awareness of ISI because a friend is in, because a colleague is in, um, and and yet um, there are tens, hundreds of thousands of men that need to be in iron sharpens iron or or, or something similar. Um, I don't think it's out there, but. Um, why are they sitting on the couch and they're afraid to step in?
0: I think there's a number of reasons. First of all, the biggest pushback I get is I don't have time. Right. And that's a myth. Uh, we need to prioritize our priorities. We need to have personal, professional and spiritual development ongoing. Mm-hmm. So We need to make it a priority. And I think about very, 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 very with a lot of very successful people that make personal and professional development uh, at the top of their list. And if you listen to very successful people, they'll even give you percentages like 10% of your income should go for personal and professional development. And I could name people that say that. It's very easy to find that data. But you look at people like Carnegie, uh Carnegie ever how you pronounce it, you know, one of the richest guys ever. He attributes the vast majority of his success to his mastermind group, right? The list mm-hmm. is endless. Henry Ford. Um, you know, Bill Gates, uh, you know, the the list is countless. And I'm like, well, there's something there. If those guys are willing to invest the time and the energy, uh maybe I should pay attention. And I did. And as a result of that, you know, for the most part, every year for decades now, my income grows, um, my reach grows. And it's because we're in a group with people that are striving towards the same thing, right? We're aligning ourselves with people that have similar core values because I think that's really important. Mm -hmm. If our core values don't align, I'm probably not going to take advice from you Mm -hmm. because we have a different worldview, And I really don't want to take advice from people that our core values don't align. So I think that's really important. The other thing is, is when you're in an organization that you're spending time with people week after week, you get to know them. I went to breakfast recently with someone and I said, Robin and I are thinking about buying a condo in Florida. As I get a little older, I'm thinking about spending maybe a few months out of the winter in Florida. And uh, what do you think about, uh, it was a trick question. I was kind of setting him up. And I said, what do you think about me buying a condo in Florida? And he thought for a minute and he said, Yeah, I think that would be good. I said, why do you think that would be good? He said, Well, I mean, you know, you're 61 years old and, you know, you've been successful. And uh, yeah, I think it would be good. I said, the truth is you don't have a clue if it's a good idea, if I buy a condo in Florida. He said, What do you mean? I said, you don't know anything about my aspirations. You don't know about my propensities. You don't know about my vision. You don't have any idea of my financial wherewithal. You just are making an assumption that I'm successful financially. I said, you don't have any idea what Robin wants. You don't know what I want to do in the future. Like you have no data to support you saying that it would be a good idea for me to buy a condo in Florida. And he said, no, I don't. See, that's the reason we need to be building friends before we need them so that we can pour into people and they can help us make decisions because now they know me, my ideals, my core values, the data financially. They know where I'm headed. They know where I've been. Now they can help me make a decision. Mm. And see, most guys don't want to invest the energy, the time in order to build that relationship. And then they're isolated. And isolation is the enemy to excellence. Mm -hmm. Like, if you really want to go far, go with a tribe. If you want to go fast, go alone. But you're not going to have any support long term. And so they have different perspectives. They have accountability. They have resources. They have networking. They have perspective and insight. The list is countless when you subject yourself to the scrutiny of other people and you come and you lay it out exactly what it is, now they can help you. But our ego, our pride, uh, false sense of security, thinking that they won't like you anymore if they really know some of the pitfalls and the blind spots that you have, Mm -hmm. you see, there's nothing further from the truth. Really, what that does is it endears people to you. Then you realize, like I did, hey, they're just as screwed up as I am. (laughs) And now I've got somebody that can walk along with me. Yeah. So that's the primary reason. There's other secondary reasons, but that's the primary reason.
1: Yeah, that's good. Okay. You have used the words core values a couple of times. Um, You and I um, share similar values um, as Christians, uh, just as a desire to live that out in the world today. Interestingly enough, uh, when I got to see you last, we had a few minute conversation uh, on on this topic. And I'm interested to hear some of your perspective because the majority of people that are listening, uh, the men that are listening, are Christian or conservative men. Uh, They are living in a world that is pushing harder and harder against the values that they that they hold to the the values that they want to instill into their children. We're watching the as we're recording right now, the war over the possibility of an overturning of Roe v. Wade, um, and all the opinions being flung at that. And there are men that are sitting there trying to figure out how to exist in a world that is enemy to a lot of their values. They want to live those out in their business. They want to live those out themselves. They want to be able to speak about them, but they know every time that they do that that's just another black mark that somebody is kind of assigning to them. That's going to cause them to lose business. That's going to cause them to uh, be kicked out of uh, uh, a, a speaking engagement, just so many different things. And so you've been at this a long time. You surround yourself with a lot of men that are very similar to you for very good reason. And so how can you encourage men like me, men like those that are listening to live in a time and thrive in a time uh, that, uh, that is pushing back against the very things they hold most dearly to. Yeah.
0: You know, there was a time in my life where I would say one thing and do another, you know. It uh, got me in a lot of trouble relationally years ago, decades ago now. And uh, very convicted over that, almost lost my family as a result of going through some of this. You know, we all go through different challenges over the course of our life. And uh, I had to make a solid commitment. Robin and I were standing in our closet. We have an island in our closet, and we were standing in our closet, and we were talking. I'll never forget it. She looked at me, and we were having a very deep discussion about a very serious matter. And she said, do you love me? And I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, I mean, do you love me? And I said, yeah, I do. And this particular topic that we were talking about, I had to make a decision that I was willing to forsake everything else for our relationship if it came down to that.
1: Hmm.
0: You see, that's the way I feel about even our integrity and our character. Like I see business people on a regular basis. This is a small example. Tell their children, you know, you need to walk with character and integrity, and then they go write off personal expenses on their business and cheat and lie to the government, and then they go tell little Susie, "Don't you cheat on your spelling test?" Hmm. Well, see, I gotta shave with that guy every morning, and I gotta look at myself and say, "Hey, am I am I doing the right thing? Am I walking the walk? Am I talking the talk? Uh, am I living? Uh, am I living what I'm teaching?" And sometimes I catch myself and go, man, that's contrary to what you're teaching. I had a guy here at my house from Dubai, and he was in the mastermind. And uh, I asked him just off the cuff, I kind of like to do this because we're men and we challenge each other. I said, hey, man, I got to ask you a question. And he said, yeah. I said, do you tell the same jokes around everybody or are you selective? He said, what do you mean? I said, I mean, do you tell the same jokes around everybody or are you selective? He said, yeah, I kind of test the water. I said, do you drink the same thing around everybody, or do you pick what you drink around certain people? Do you say certain swear words around some people but not others? Yeah. Do you watch things on TV when your wife's not at home that you wouldn't watch when she was there? He said, yeah, I do. I said, man, isn't that exhausting? He goes, yeah, it is. And see, that's the way I feel about the position that we're in today. A lot of our decisions are based on how it affects us financially. And I wonder sometimes how God looks at that. I wonder if he's thinking, wow, if it went the other way, would you have made a different decision? And see, we don't want to suffer the consequences of what we know is right. My fifth core value is truth before opinion. And we base everything off the biblical lens of what God says. And God's word is uh, cutting. God's word is uh, proven to be true. It's irrefutable. It's the inevitable word of God. I don't understand it all. But I've got to support it or I don't really have the faith or I really don't believe in what it says. Do I work it out perfectly? No. No, I don't. But it's my attempt daily to say the things that would be God-honoring, regardless of the place I'm around. I had a guy recently, I was being interviewed, and I told him, I said, hey, I share my faith on these podcasts. And he said, "Uh, what if I don't allow you? I said, then I won't do the interview. And it was a big podcast. And he started laughing. He said, I'm Christian also. I was just testing you. <laughs>
1: and I
0: said, well, okay. See, the thing is, Ryan, is we're going to be ridiculed. We're going to be mocked. We're going to be made fun of. We're going to lose business. We're going to lose friends. We're going to have severed relationships. Uh, but in the end, we win. And so for me, I just want to, as closely as I can, humanly possible, and I fail miserably oftentimes, and I have to stand back up, and I'm human, right? You cut me, I bleed, right? It's just the way it is. But it's our desire to walk with him daily and suffer the consequences uh, regardless of the cost. And it's difficult. I'm not saying it's easy but we're never going to get to a place conforming to the whims of the world. Right. I want to be the Rosa Parks because without Rosa Parks, a lot of cool things wouldn't have happened. Right. Mm. She was willing to suffer the consequence. And today I'm finding more and more people. I'm not going to say anything. I'll be ostracized. You know, there'll be conflict. Do I want to encourage your audience on this one thing as it relates to this particular question. Where there is great conflict, there is great influence. And the greater the conflict, the greater the influence. And if you're not experiencing conflict in your life today, you're having no influence. And so I just want to encourage those that uh, are straddling the fence, you know, get off the fence,
1: take a <laughs> position. That's good. It's so good. Okay. Two more questions. First one is 61 years. You've been at this. I know you're still learning. I know you're still growing. What is the one area that, that you are spending the most time trying to learn and grow in right now?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. The most time. You know, Kevin and I, our integrator was having a pretty good discussion uh, earlier, you know, it kind of goes into our conversation that we were talking about before we started recording And I wrote a book view from the top and in that book, uh, I was kind of the central focus of the book, and there was a lot of me that came out of that book and I'm trying more to make the people that I'm educating and teaching the hero. And I'm trying to use the analogies and the examples of my life to help you dodge the landmines rather than me getting the accolades, right? And I've had to really struggle with that. Uh, I have done a lot of interviews. If you listen to a lot of the earlier interviews years ago, you hear a lot of personal pronouns. And I'm working really hard to try to portray on to the listeners and the people that are in our community that they're the hero. And these things that I've done in my life that are wrong, maybe a few of them right, maybe you can adopt, but to dodge those landmines and do it differently and not have to go through the travesties and the trials and the tribulations that I've had to in order for you to live an incredible life. So I think that's where my prayer life is primarily. Uh, I even redid my bio recently and took out a lot of names and accolades and really redid the bio to say it's the transformational experience that I'm looking for in the lives of others rather than me adopting the uh, success. And, the you know, because the more I hear those things, the more I have to work on getting rid of those things, if that makes sense. And so it's just a constant work in progress.
1: to do. So good. So good. You and me both. Good Lord. Okay, final question. Robin's sitting at a coffee shop. Again, if you guys listened earlier, that's his wife. She's at a coffee shop. She's hanging around with a few friends. You just get to be a fly on the wall. And all these ladies are talking about their husbands. What is it that you want? your wife to consistently say about you?
0: You know, now, uh, she, she'll say this and she would say this, she would say, first of all, he's the hardest working man. I know she would say that the second thing is, is she would say that I put her and my family and Christ above all. She would say that today. She wouldn't have said that 25 years ago. She would say that today. And, um, I would feel very relieved uh, to hear her say that, and it, it takes it takes work every single day to make that happen. Uh, but today, I hope that she would say that. I feel pretty confident that she would.
1: And how does that make you feel when you think about the? Uh, you you said the word relieved. I know probably because of it wasn't always this way, and now it is. But right, after right. so many years of marriage, after tragedy, uh, so many different experiences in business and in life. Like, what does that mean to you? Like, why, why, why yeah. is that so important to you to hear that? Yeah.
0: You know, what's funny is, is you never arrive. You never get at the pinnacle and stay there. Even two weeks ago, we had a conversation. She had to reel me back in. She said, you know, I really feel kind of Disconnected right now. You've been spending a lot of time with the guys. You've been spending a lot of time with these projects you're working on. And I don't really feel in first place like right now. And I've been working, had lunch today with Alan Lindsay, my best friend, and even told him that. And I said, Hey, we've got to, I got to work on that. Robin and I do. And I got to get back to a good place. Like as late as today, I'm having to still work on that. Right. You never get to a place where you're dialed in. You never have to work on it. But see, I'm consciously aware of it ongoing. Hmm. And I embrace the tension because when I'm embracing the tension, I'm working on it. When I'm not paying attention, you can run off, right? The track. And so even now I'm having to work on that. And, um, so yeah, um, I got sidetracked and forgot your question.
1: No, that's good. I just, I just, you explained it. I wanted to know why it was so important to you. And I can, oh yeah, it's, it's, it's
0: legacy. That's the bottom line. It's legacy, right? Had a little bit of success, you know, financially and those kind of things. And so really what's important to me today is legacy. It's like, Hey, what am I going to leave? That's going to be ongoing. That's going to outlive me. And so we're building iron sharpens iron mastermind. My prayer is, and hope my vision is that there's, Uh, you know, thousands, maybe tens of thousands of members at some point. I don't know if I'll ever see it. Uh, but I want that to live on. I want that to be the legacy. And I want my kids, uh, to say that day, you know, if uh, if I die before they do, and I certainly hope I do, that they say, uh, hey, my daddy lived well and he was always
1: available for us. Mm, So good. Well, big A, as we all like to call you, Um, I I just, again, I want to, you know, tell you, and I'm sure you've heard it from so many people, but I value you so much. I mean, the accomplishments you've had are amazing. But the character of the man that you are today and the way that you have shared that with us, instilled that into us, I'm sure people are listening and can just hear that so well through. Um, I just can't tell you how what an impact you and then the byproduct of you being the mastermind have had on my life in such a short period of time. It hasn't even been a year yet. And I'm looking forward to so many more years and I'm looking forward to so many more opportunities to engage together. So thank you.
0: Ryan's been an honor, buddy. Thank you for all you give to the mastermind and to your group and to me personally. And I look forward to having many more opportunities with you. If you've got somebody out there that's looking for a place, go to viewfromthetop.com. Check us out. I would love to uh, engage with you. If this sounds like something of interest, never any arm twisting. We
1: just want to add value. So if it's helpful, let us know. Yeah. And I'll kind of twist your arm if you need it. Um, We'll make sure to put that information into the show notes. Um, If you have any questions for want to engage with Aaron, that's a great way to be able to do that. If you are a man and you are in any kind of solitude whatsoever, if you can't say that you absolutely have other brothers that are walking alongside you that know the ins and outs of your personal and professional life, you need something like this. There is no question about it. Other than that, you guys, Thank you so much for continued support, listening to the podcast. Make sure that you like it, share it, that you tell everybody else what's going on here. I just want to continue to deliver content that is valuable to you becoming the man that God God has created you to be. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Authentic Conversations. If you are ready to live the life you've dreamed of, I'm here to help. Head to ryanjamesmiller.com slash podcast to begin your journey. And if this episode impacted you in any way, pay it forward by sharing it with someone, you know, I'm Ryan James Miller, and I'll see you next time on Authentic Conversations.